Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. His name was Peter. And Peter found himself in a very terrible situation because of some poor choices that he had made. You see, it was the week before Easter. And Peter got together at a family gathering, and as unfortunately sometimes happens, Peter and his son-in-law, they had too much to drink. And as is frequently the case, when you have too much to drink, conversation became exaggerated. And this is what the conversation was about. Peter's son-in-law was a veteran soldier, and he began to boast. And he said, I feel that I am truly invincible because I have come through every battle up until this point completely unscathed. I cannot die. Well, Peter, being the father-in-law and wanting to teach his son-in-law a lesson against better judgment, decided to put that to the test, and so he grabbed his sword and he struck a blow. And the, and the blow hit home, and he watched as his son-in-law lost his life. And from there, from bad to worse, of course, the family was in turmoil. Peter was arrested. He was put into prison, and he fell into depression, and he craved amongst everything else, he craved the most to have some form of comfort and some form of security and the knowledge that he could be at peace with his Father in heaven. I don't know if you know who Peter is, his name was Peter Beskendorf. And he's better known in history as Peter the Barber. And the year was 1535, and he was actually the barber for Martin Luther. And so what did he do? He wrote to Martin Luther from prison, and he said, Can you please teach me how to pray? Because I'm craving some type of relationship with the God that I have sinned against. And it allowed Martin Luther to simply teach Peter the barber the Lord's Prayer for what it really is. And so what about you? I am fairly confident that none of you in a drunken stupor have taken the life of your son-in-law. I pray that's true at least. But which of you haven't in a moment of crisis, in a moment of trouble, in a moment of, of realizing the extent of some sinful choices in life, which of you hasn't asked for that comfort and that assurance of your relationship with God? And so now that we're talking the same language and we find ourselves craving that what a beautiful and wonderful opportunity we have to now go through the topic of prayer. Because what we find out when we look at the Lord's Prayer, as well as the prayer in general, is that 
the more we learn about what God has done for us, the easier it becomes for us to be better prayers. People who can take everything to our Lord. And here is the key to it all. Prayer is all about the relationship. I'm going to read to you now from our, our brief text. It comes from Matthew chapter 6, and it's where Jesus is starting to teach about this amazing gift that he has, that we has given to us, that we have of prayer. And this is what he says. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Lord, teach us to pray. Those were the the humble words of the disciples at a different time when they were sitting with their Savior God, Jesus. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And it's the same words that are on our lips and our mouth right now as we have the Lord's Prayer in front of us and we have this idea of communing with God, being able to talk with him, and yet we are overcome at times with insecurity about how to pray. It seems like such a neat concept and yet so many of us are crippled by feeling like we don't know how to do it. And so we pray, Lord, teach us to pray, and it's exactly what we have in the Lord's Prayer. And so today we find out it's all about the relationship. And so first of all, let's find out which relationships are not the most important. And those would be the relationships that Jesus is highlighting in his opening section here. If you look when he talks about, and when you pray, he says there are two things you ought not to do. So let's just take those rather quickly. He says, do not be like the hypocrites. Okay, well, that's good. We don't want to be hypocrites. But he specifies what he means. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. You see what he's getting at there. No, there is nothing wrong with public prayer in and of itself. There's nothing wrong with praying together with you here in worship. But what he is saying is let's make sure that we understand the relationship in prayer. And the relationship is not about strengthening the relationship between each other or trying to improve my status in front of your eyes. And I think sometimes we fall into that trap of thinking that prayer is really just a public display of how pious I think I might be. And maybe you think the same thing. 
And sometimes all we do is we take prayer and we water it down to a a public display of worship so that maybe we can get people to think more highly of us. And so maybe we're going to assume the stance, we're going to put our hands in the air, we're going to close our eyes super tight, but then we might open one up to see if anyone's watching. And if they are, back down. Because we want them to know how serious we are about our God. We want them to know how much we care. We want to strengthen that relationship. We want to gain their respect. To which Jesus says, well, let's put it to a test. Because the very same way you pray in front of other people should be how you pray when you go home and you go into your bedroom and close the door and it's just you and God. Because what Jesus is emphasizing here is the relationship that is supposed to be strengthened through prayer is not your relationship with your fellow human being as you simply try to grow in their self-esteem. But there's more. He also says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling lest you think that you will be heard because of your many words. Can I just say that I was guilty of that as a child? Because there would be so often that I would start to pray and my mind was so far from anything that was coming out of my mouth. And if you were to ask me, what did you just pray for? I'd say, I really have no idea, but I think I just prayed and God must love me for that. I was babbling like a fool. And when in doubt, just push repeat and just find a new name for God and just go through them all because what relationship are you trying to improve there? You're trying to improve your own self-esteem. You're trying to put yourself on, on better footing before God. You're trying to make prayer a work that you can somehow excellently perform so that you feel more confident in your relationship with God and therefore it's going to be formulaic and it's going to be based on the amount of time and the amount of words that I expel with the hope that God will receive them and look with favor on me. It's all about relationships but those two relationships either using prayer as a tool to look good in front of others or as a tool to try to look good in front of God, those are the wrong relationships. But I think we recognize that sometimes that's what we have relegated prayer to be. Sometimes when your kids come up to you and they're asking you some of those tough questions and they say, Mom, Dad, how come we don't pray more? And then all of a sudden you... You're overcome with guilt, right? And so what do you do? We're going to start praying right now. Put your hands together. Nod. And you just start spouting something out. And you realize the only reason you're doing it is to try to make your child happy. And you're not even really sure what you're supposed to be saying. Well, let me tell you that in prayer... It's all about the relationship. 
And that takes all the pressure off. Because Jesus wants to highlight the relationship that truly matters. And he gets to that point so directly, so succinctly, when he says, this then is how you should pray. And yes, he is laying out a template for prayer. And yes, he is laying out, starting at this point, what has come to be known as the greatest standard of prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And yet even Jesus, he knows it's not supposed to be just a formula. You can take some of these and you can leave others for another time. But the concept between each or behind each of the things that Jesus is about to say in the Lord's Prayer is to drive home key thoughts that go into our minds about what your God has done for you so that you are better prepared to know what we can and should ask for from that God. And the first thing is remember the relationship. Our Father in heaven. Think about that. Our Father in heaven, he's telling us that when we pray, we have the right, we have the privilege, we can have the expectation to use the word dad. Father. And that's become such a commonplace thing. But I want you to think about how in the world it is that we could ever possibly call God Father and what that means for you. So God is the all-powerful. God is the creator God. God is the just God. God is the perfect God, the righteous God, the God who demands perfection from the creation that he brought into this world. God can be terrifying. God can be so far beyond anything we can imagine that the thought of going to him to prayer, it can leave us shaking because we don't want to screw it up to which Jesus says, this then is how you should pray, Father. And the only way that we could possibly go to God who is pure and perfect and just and everything and call him dad is as if the barrier of sin that separated us from God has been resolved. And in Christ, that's exactly what we have. You see, we talk about Jesus as being our Savior. We talk about him as the one who died on the cross. And that, of course, is all true. But now put it into this context. Jesus is the one who brought the family back together. We were estranged from our Father. We, along with all of humankind, we had fallen into sin and we had every reason to fear God, to want to run from him rather than to him, to shake because of him, and yet here Jesus is saying, remember what I came to do. When we call Jesus our Savior, we see him as the one who has mended together the family that was broken And he's brought lost sons and daughters back into the presence of their dad. And Jesus is saying it's all about the relationship. When you're thinking about prayer, first and foremost, remember that only through me do you have access to God. But because of what I have done, Jesus says, 
you get to call him dad now. You have that intimate relationship where you can go to him as a child would go to his father and you can have every confidence that he hears you and he loves you and he will do what is best for you. You see, that relationship has completely changed. And now that we are at peace with our Father in heaven, we don't have to worry about what others might think. We don't have to worry about putting ourselves on on higher ground. We simply get to talk to God. Because he's our Father. One of the things that I've come across as I've talked to people about the Lord's Prayer is that when emphasizing the truth that we can see God as our Father, sometimes that hits home the most with earthly dads. And the reason it hits home the most is because earthly dads know that they haven't always been very good fathers. Guilty. They haven't always had their ear ready to listen. They haven't always shown incredible amounts of patience. They've sometimes gotten frustrated with their kids, and yet they know that's not how it's supposed to be. And yet what hits them is that when we talk about our Heavenly Father, we now have Father in the perfect context. Everything I was supposed to be, I have been forgiven for my faults. And I, as that imperfect Father, can go to my perfect Father, and I have a whole new appreciation for this access to God through Christ and his work. And so the challenge now is to not take that for granted, but to think of that perfect standard of dad and to recognize that in God we have that, the loving father who desires what is good and right and perfectly beneficial for his children. Father, When we pray, it's so easy to make the prayer all about us. And whereas God wants to hear everything that we have on our mind, he wants us first and foremost to note what we have in him. We have someone who is always ready to listening, that perfect father who's always ready to listen to our needs, And isn't that just something that we crave at times? We just want someone to actually stop and listen to us? Because we know how hard it is to find someone who will listen to us with undivided attention. Because when you come home from work and your spouse says, how was your day? You know they're just making small talk. And even if you give them the five-minute answer, they probably heard 20 seconds of it. Because they're ready to move on to the next thing. But in Christ, we have a Father who guarantees to listen and to hear everything. And so when that puts us at ease, we have the right to go before him and tell him about what's on our mind. And we know that he'll patiently listen. Because again, who of us doesn't know what it is like when when a young child comes up to us? It might not be your own child, it might be another, and you can tell that they're so excited to tell them something, and they're so eager to get your attention, and once they finally have your attention, you're looking at them, and it takes them forever to get out of their mouth what they're trying to say. 
But it doesn't matter because you can't wait to hear what's on their mind. And so when we talk to our Father, it doesn't matter if you have the perfect words chosen or if you have to stumble because of your excitement or if you have to stumble because of your guilt. You simply bring the words out before your God, your Father, and you have every confidence that he hears you for Jesus' sake. It's all about the relationship. And so from this starting point now, we dive in to the Lord's Prayer, having dealt with the address, having dealt with the the reality that in prayer we go to our Father through faith in Christ. What a wonderful thing we have in the sections of the Lord's Prayer, reminding us of things that are valuable for us as we live under our Father's roof. And so dive in with me in the next couple of weeks as we go through those parts of the Lord's Prayer and we find out with our relationship having been firmly established, we now have the opportunity to pray with a renewed heart, eagerness, and joy to our God. And may he bless it. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen.